Tenakoto, Tenakoto, Tenakoto Katoa. Welcome, everybody. We had Waitangi Day yesterday, and we, of course, celebrated that uh, as a nation, that founding document Pastor Ants talked about back in 1840, and also it was recently the commemoration of the Battle of Ruapekapeka up in North Island. So there's lots of things going on in our nation, lots of things we can look at historically, but also we're at a, a crossroads, aren't we, where we're going to as a nation, as a people, as peoples. So this morning, I stand up to you unashamedly as Nati Pākehā. I am Pākehā, and I'm even more Pākehā than most Pākehās here. Okay, I'll explain why. Um, but this morning, I just want to introduce this series. It's a real privilege to be speaking into this um, thing. So Pastor Ants has talked about the last three years. We've had this series of woke. We're going to rest it from next year onwards. This year, though, it's going to be amazing. So my prayer is that I speak this morning as like a bridge into the next three weeks where we're going to have some amazing speakers developing on what I'm going to share this morning. So you're ready for it. Okay, so you see I've entitled it here as Awoken, New Perspectives. I'm speaking, uh, the first part is going to be a little bit uh, heavier, a little bit more serious, because I need to bring one or two things out. And then I want to just talk about my own personal journey, how God has taken me from my childhood through to where I am now, and opened my eyes about culture and race, and about the true gospel, and about how the Bible applies to us all, and Jesus is transforming each and every people group. So... Uh, many of you will know, last, about a year ago, I walked the Te Araroa Trail, the journey of life, the long pathway, is what Te Araroa means. And so the whole length of our beautiful country, Aotearoa, the land of the long white cloud, I walked it, all 3,000 kilometres. So it was pretty amazing, wasn't it? But along the way, I had different experiences, I guess, with the law, but also part of the journey is when you're walking along, you have places like this. This is down in the South Island near Lake Hawea. It's called... Um, what the Tower Road Trail, but it's the track from Stody's Hut to Breast Hill, which leads to the north of um, Lake Hawea. And it's about 14 kilometres of just this meandering track through high country tussock and so on. That's all you see is just hills. If you look backwards, you see some great views, but looking forward, you just see this journey going on. And isn't life like that? As we walk through life, we get up each morning, we go to work, we do whatever we do, life seems to be routine. And then suddenly you get to a point in your life where you suddenly have a view. I came over the crest and Whoa, I suddenly saw things from a completely different viewpoint on that journey. So in my life, I've got various waypoints where God has done something like that to me in my own understanding of him and of life. It's that transformation really is just, you walk up and within you know, 15 seconds, you go from just bare tussock to seeing that. And that just that goes right around from Wanaka, uh, sorry, from Lake Hawea, right through to the Haas Pass and the Southern Alps. It's a beautiful place. So I'm going to talk, uh, the first part, I just want to cover a little bit of thing about racism and so on, but then I want to share my journey in uh, three main steps. So, you ready for it? So based on, we've looked at Alpha, and I really encourage you to look at Alpha, we're in the Alpha in our Connect group, and that talks about the questions, why we're here, where we're going, but there's actually a really important question too, and that is, where did I come from? And so these are three big questions that we all need to ask ourselves, is where did I come from, why am I here, and where am I going? And I've got there the answers that I accept into my heart and life will really affect how I live my life. Does that make sense? So I want to look at this whole thing of origins quickly. I want to finish with origins. I want to start with origins because it's really important to each of us about who we are in our own um, view, I guess, of the world. 
So who would agree that this has been quite a topical thing in the last year? Obviously, COVID-19 has really um, sort of hammered us in the news, but this has been a really big thing in you know, Black Lives Matter in the States and things happening around the world. And even here in uh, New Zealand, Aotearoa, there's been a lot of talk about uh, systematic racism and everything else. Now, I really want to just hear my heart here. I'm speaking as a Pākehā. I'm speaking into a multicultural nation. I'm not going to come up with all the answers. This is something that we need to pray through, work through. Um, but I want to just give us some biblical foundations about where things are at. But I want to just bring one thing out which is never talked about in the secular media, about one of the root causes or amplifications of racism. And it's going back to origins. So um, this is a, an interesting bit. 2016, there's Eddie Betts, who is an Aboriginal player in one of the rugby league teams in Australia. And one of the games, some in the, in the audience got a banana and threw it out into the thing and you know, taunted him and so on. So why is throwing a banana at a coloured person a racist thing. This whole thing, why a banana? Okay, so again, it wasn't really brought out in the secular media, but the, the obvious thought is that, well, you know, you're a monkey, or, you know, and lots of these taunts, lots of these racist things come from this idea that people of colour are less evolved. And so let's just go back to this whole idea. It's never talked about, but origins have ideas. And so we're looking at a choice in society of, do we trust God's word, or do we have man's opinions? And we see the fruit in society. I've talked about this um, several times before. It's really the things we see in the news, the things we deal with in our day-to-day -day lives are actually founded deep in the roots of how we run our society. And my own journey and the journey of our cultures, I want to show you how God's uh, word really, really helps us to be loving our neighbours, loving all people, honouring God, uh, sanctifying life and so on. So if we go back to the Bible origins, where do we come from? And it's very clear that God created us in his image. Male and female, he created them. We're loved by him, we're special, we're unique. And Adam and Eve were our founding, you know, uh, tipuna, you know, the whole, uh, founding ancestors. And so it's very clear that this is the scriptural account. But of course, what we're taught in our secular society is that, oh, that's just a load of rubbish. You know, we've got the, the billions of years of cosmic and geological, biological evolution, and that's how we are. So many people in society today have this idea that, well, Genesis is just you know, myth. We get rid of that. This is the truth. And we unconsciously form our worldview based on this whole idea of where we came from. So if we go back to this idea of Charles Darwin, a very famous uh, gentleman in, in history, in 1859 he published this iconic book called The Origin of Species. But this, notice the subtitle there. It says, it's the preservation of favoured races in the struggle for life. Okay, you can see where that goes from. Now, Darwin himself was a nice guy. He didn't like to hurt people. He wasn't a racist, racist as such. Uh, he was actually anti-slavery and so on. But he knew full well where his ideas would go. And that's exactly what happened. So we had this whole idea in the 1800s of incredibly horrible things that came out of this evolutionary idea that somehow different races, because evolution has no fixed direction, has no fixed thing. So by definition, some races must be less evolved than others. Makes sense, doesn't it? You know? And so this is the idea that people are at different stages of evolution, and if you've got the idea of the ape-like ancestors, you have very much have this idea over millions of years, these original dark, furry sort of creatures became more upright, they become more intelligent, and notice the skin colour paled as well, until eventually you had the most evolved of all people, the most civilised, the upper-class English gentleman old chap. Okay, You see that thinking? It was very much a Victorian idea, but this is what amplified people that white Europeans, especially men, because Darwin said that women were less um, 
evolved than men. Their brains were smaller. They weren't capable of things. So he was actually quite a misogynist. He wasn't, didn't hate women, but he definitely said that they weren't up to the mark of men. Okay, so go figure. So this icon, though, will not die, even though most scientists now, that, that was a, a hangover from the Victorian era. We don't really go that way anymore. But you see, it's, it's burned into people's psyche, isn't it? You see T-shirts, this whole idea of this evolutionary cascade up to upright Europeans. And sadly, some of the fruit that came out of this, here we have in Australia, you know, things have happened all around the world with First Nation people, but Australia especially was really, really bad. People there were seen as subhuman. It was okay to dig up their graves and even to kill Aboriginal people for specimens to go back to Europe, to the museums and the um, places over there of learning. I mean, that, that really grieves me. You know, think that our, our brothers and sisters were treated like that only 150 years ago. Again, you see, it's this white superiority. These guys were subhuman. It's okay to actually to deal and treat with them in that way. And recently, just about six months ago or eight months ago, in the newspaper, the Bronx Zoo finally apologised for putting a black man, uh, an African man called Otabinga, into the, uh, the zoo in the Bronx. And over 40,000 people came through to see this man in a, a cage with the monkeys, and he had a, a chimpanzee with him as well. And they were sort of saying, who are these people? These, he's actually a pygmy, as we call them. Um, and yeah, he, who was he? Or what were their ancestors? So this poor, poor guy was put in, taken from his family in Africa, and put into a cage in supposedly the most civilized you know, nation in the world. In 1906, that's only 115 years ago. And they finally apologized for that. But notice the evolutionary thinking was never mentioned. They apologized for the injustice, but didn't realize or didn't state why it was done. And again, this idea, 1924, you know, Stone Age men, you know, this whole idea, anthropologists looked at darker people as being close to Stone Age men. You see, so this thinking just eats away. It starts to form people's view of other nations and other races. I just want to close this section with a, here's a quote from Stephen Jay Gould. Now, he's a famous scientist. He's now um, you know, passed away. He was an atheist. He's not anymore, sadly. But um, yeah, he was an evolutionist, a Marxist, but he's also very anti-race. So, but he actually said here, you know, biological arguments for racism may have been common before 1850, but they increased by orders of magnitude, in other words, a 10, 100-fold worse because of the acceptance of evolutionary theory. Uh, modern science shows us that races can be ranked on a scale of superiority. So here's a guy who's anti-race, a scientist, only back in the 1970s, saying science shows that races can be ranked. And if this offends Christian morality, you see, so the Bible intrinsically is anti-racist. We are all made from one human family, and we are all one people. See, so science, science I put in inverted commas, says that, get, get over it, Christians. We're not all the same. Some races are more superior than others. Okay, so it's a little bit of a dark start, but this is something we need to call out. Why are people not calling out evolutionary thinking? How it affects and it permeates society and it amplifies these things. Even if people, racism is really, really uncool these days, isn't it? But people don't have a consistent reason to treat different races, different people groups differently if, you're a, if you take on an evolutionary idea. Okay. That was a quick run through. Just want to leave that with you. I'm going to put that aside now, okay? So I guess speaking for CMI, I need to debunk these false ideas that lift themselves up against the knowledge of God, but also they dehumanize people. You know, most people who take evolution on board don't, aren't thinking it through, but there's that underlying, like acid, eating, eating through society. People think 
in this way because that's how we've been educated. Okay, so you ready for my journey? This is my little journey, okay? So this is an interesting place. Imogen seen it. So it's an old house, isn't it? Yes, it's over 600 years old, this house. This is a house that I was actually born in back in England, in Moortown, Devon. My parents had a little 34-acre farm on the edge of Dartmoor in rural Devon, so I could have been sounding like Wurzel Gummidge if I'd had an accent stayed there for longer. But anyway, as a child, we came out, we moved to New Zealand. We were immigrants. We came on our, our walker was the VC-10, coming with British Airways. That's how we came. And I, I, I know that sometimes people say, you know, uh, Qantas te waka, you know, that's actually, in some ways a joke, but that's actually offensive, because the waka is really important to our Maori brothers and sisters. But for me, we, you know, for us, it was a big journey. We came on the plane, you know, as Yelta and uh, PJ did from Holland. Immigrants came in here. So I brought up in England, but for me, I had that, um, I guess, very sheltered English upbringing, you know, the leafy uh, woods and the thatched houses and, you know, that whole iconic... Um, Eden Blyton type England. That's what my understanding of culture was. I was brought up in Nelson, which again back in the 60s and 70s was very much a middle class, white Pakeha sort of area, very conservative. Now we had Maori friends at school and we, they, were, they were great. We didn't think they were different. They were just there. We didn't, um, whatever, we had the Chinese greengrocer down the road. Um, I didn't really not like them. I just, they were just different and not really in my sphere of thinking. So I guess I was fairly ignorant but I do remember occasionally hearing in England about a lot of these uh, Pakistani and West Indian immigrants were in England in the 50s, 60s, and I remember thinking, they, they don't belong, you know. I had this picture of white, uh, you know, manicured England, and what are these, are pe these people, they're, not, they don't, they're immigrants that are, they don't fit. I had this picture that was actually, I guess, I didn't hate them, but I thought they didn't belong in my country. So, yeah, it's interesting how God took me along, and wasn't until it was actually here in our church in 1991. Uh, some of you will remember Brian Johnson. He did an amazing, he led an amazing course called Perspectives on the World Christian Movement. And it's still going today. It's a really powerful thing. So if you get a chance to do that, and it talks about different people movements throughout the world, including the Karen people. So Ruby, you know, Tura's wife, she's a Karen. And it was an amazing transformation how the gospel impacted the Karen people in Burma. <clears throat> but for me, it was the whole idea of seeing culture from a different point of view. And for me, my eyes were opened and I needed to deal with one thing. And I'll show you that in a minute. But here, the thing I did learn was that he's put eternity in everyone's hearts. The whole thing that every people, every people group, every individual has a knowledge that there is a God, there is eternity, even if we try to suppress it. And so, yeah, it's, he's made everything beautiful in its time and he's put eternity in our hearts. So Don Richardson wrote a beautiful book about eternity in their hearts. And every people group has a knowledge of the one true God somewhere in their mythologies or their legends or their stories. So that was something I, I didn't, hadn't realised, you know. I thought, well, you know, we English, we've got it together, but maybe other people groups know about God too. And so culture just talks again about the whole idea. It's a, culture is a whole thing. It encompasses not just, it's not your skin colour, it's actually your language, your music, your culinary, uh, you know, tastes, um, the way you see the world, you know, your, um, your religion and all that sort of thing makes up your worldview, your, like Māori tanga. That's a, gr a great example of culture, isn't it? Now, we English don't probably have such a strong culture, you know. <laughs> Maybe roast beef and uh, cricket and so on, I don't know. But, but you know, so, <laughs> yeah, but it's also the idea of pop culture or cafe culture, isn't it? Sometimes people doing similar things in the same way. That's another way of culture being defined. But the key thing is this whole idea of culture 
is separate from our skin color, from our physique and where we live. But the one thing that God really spoke to me through this perspectives course was that all cultures, and I'm emphasizing all cultures, including Pākehā culture, English culture, Māori culture, Pacifica culture, you know, culture from the Korean people and so on, we all have aspects of our history and our giftings that are really positive and are really a blessing. Okay, so we want to emphasize every people group has things that are really so, so special in their own background and who they are, and we should celebrate that. But also every culture, including my own, has things that are not good. They're negative, they're anti-Christian, they, they um, don't bring God a good name, and they're a curse, and we need to repent of those and move away from them. And so for me, I remember God speaking to me, you're arrogant, man. You're, Michael, you're arrogant. You need to repent of that British, uh, English arrogance. And I remember listening to that whole thing. I suddenly saw you know, other people, including Pakistanis and West Indians in England, um, you know, as people who were special and God loved them. And I repented of that arrogance I had as an Englishman. Uh, also, in New Zealand culture here, I'm speaking as a Pākehā, we have things that are so positive. You know, we are independent, we are pioneering. You know, Sir Edmund Hillary, we think of Kiwis all around the world are, are sought after to be um, missionaries, to be engineers, to be people who are working in aid, who are working in all sorts of things around the world because we're adaptable and innovative, number eight wire, that whole thing. These are positive things. We can celebrate that. That makes us who we are. But also the negative things we are is um, apathetic. Oh, you know, she'll be right, you know, the whole thing. Um, also, I don't need anyone else. I'm, I'm, I'm self-made. I can do it myself, do it by myself. <laughs> and, um, but also the whole thing of tall poppy syndrome. How dare they stand up? You know, cut them down, the whole thing. So people who try to, to do well, they're often dragged down, aren't they, or belittled or, or abused on Facebook and so on because they think they're above their station. And I came from England where class system is very strong, but New Zealand does have a class system, doesn't it? Some people are seen as above themselves and they get pulled down. So these are things we as a nation need to deal with and repent of because they're not honouring to God. And that was one milestone for me, another one of these uh, impacts I suddenly realised that um, God was speaking to me. A second one was working with Creation Ministries was this whole thing about race, skin colour, how do we deal with skin colour? And this is a really powerful book that um, has really transformed me. It's called One Human Family, The Bible, Science, Race and, and Culture. And this is written by a good friend of mine, Dr. Carl Wieland. He's an Australian doctor, but he's of German ancestry. And he writes it from his point of view of his parents in Nazi Germany, the whole thing that happened with Hitler taking on evolutionary ideas, the whole thing of the Jews were, you know, to be wiped out, they were unfit, they were, you know, another race that was no good. Try to bring up the Aryan, you know, blue-eyed, blonde-haired Aryan race, this whole thing. And so Carl's parents were brought up in that. And as uh, immigrants... In Australia, he, they were persecuted for being German, so he understood what it's like to be an immigrant and to be given a hard time. But he just talks about the whole thing about culture, origins, race. It's a really, really powerful book, looking biblically at the whole thing. And so one of the key scriptures here, it says, and he has made from one blood, i.e. Adam, one, our real ancestor, every blood, uh, one blood, every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and he has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So every nation, God knows you know, our whakapapa, our ancestry, where we would live and when in history. And that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they may grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each of us. And that's the thread I want to bring is that every culture, including my own, I look back on my ancestry, going right back to England, we had the Celts, and you know, a lot of them were, they were into the Druids, they were a whole thing of, um, even sadly cannibalism was amongst the early Britons, 
you know, and then we had the Anglo-Saxons come in, and then we had the Vikings, and we had uh, the, then the Norse, you know, the uh, sorry, the um, Normans came across. So we've been this whole thing of attack and colonisation and assimilation and things going on, and then we of course gone on. The English didn't do too well to the Scottish and the Welsh and the, and the uh, Irish. You know, we've done a lot of things that are not good. So this whole thing, but it was actually the gospel coming in through Patrick and other missionaries who brought the gospel and transformed English uh, society, and Scottish society, and so on. See, the gospel transforms society, takes us from a dark place into somewhere that is good. Now, no society is perfect, but each of these times in history, the gospel has made a difference in, in society, including my own ancestry. So I just want to quickly just touch on this thing about race. So, skin colour. I'm Pākehā. I'm white. I'm a honky, if you're in England. Okay. Palangi, if you're in... <laughs> so, it says I'm, what I'm white, but I'm, if you look at it, I'm actually, you know... This is white. I'm not really white. I'm just pale brown, aren't I? So you see, we actually all have the same skin colour. So this idea of black and white, it has some merit, but it does, when none of us are black, none of us are white. We're just sort of different shades of brown, aren't we? You see, we all have the same skin colour, melanin. And it's just some people have more, some people have less. Even blue eyes are not a different colour in your eyes. It's just very, very little melanin. So you end up with a, an, an optical effect that gives you blue eyes. So yeah, we're all biologically very, very closely related, and modern science admits that now, that we are all one human family, and even like an Aboriginal person received a kidney transplant from a white guy in Australia, and it's amazing, you know, he was the best tissue match, supposedly separated by tens of thousands of years of evolution, yet he was the closest match, yeah, so go figure. This is a beautiful thing, I'm sure I've shown this here before, these two beautiful little girls, they're now a lot older now, they are actually fraternal twins, same mum, same dad, and here they are, the genes expressed separately into them, so they actually have you know, white and black. Who would think they're actually sisters, twin sisters? Obviously not identical twins. It's amazing, isn't it? And by the way, um, this PowerPoint, I'm going through a lot of stuff fairly quickly. This is going to be um, available on Facebook, I guess. People say, well, have you got your slides? I'm not a standard three-slide type guy. You know, I'm a 30-slide type guy. Um, <laughs> but also, have a look at creation.com. All the references are actually on the bottom there. If you'd like to look them up and follow the articles and so on I'm speaking about. But these two beautiful little girls, biblically, why should we be surprised? So here are their parents, mid-brown people. You know, they've got a rich genetic thing, like, almost like, you know, um, mongrel-type dogs, genetically rich. And so their ancestry, they have some white and some West Indian blood in both their ancestries. And so those genes can be expressed easily in one generation. And um, most, you look at most of the people around the world have mid-brown skin, don't they? Mid-brown skin, black hair, and uh, dark brown hair, and brown eyes. So people that are white and blonde, they're actually outliers, you know, they're the sort of, yeah. Or very, very dark African people, they are the genetic outliers on the outside of the curve. Most people are mid-brown around the world. And here's these two beautiful girls, you know, uh, uh, growing up, it's amazing, isn't it? And even this is a bit older, they're probably adults now, but yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, but it's neat. And this is not unusual. You know, twins that look like black and white twins. It's spectacular, but no, people realise it's actually quite common. So this whole thing about whakapapa, you know, the whole thing, and that's one of the things we really honour about uh, Māori people and Pacifica people, and many other nations have this strong sense of belonging to the past. You know, you go, you can trace your ancestry through orally, really, really amazing. Many of us, you know, Europeans and so on, we have a very weak idea of our family tree. Um, we can go back maybe 100, 200 years or bit further, but not this sort of amazing genealogy right through. So if you read the Bible, Origins, we see very clearly Adam and Eve were created only a few thousand years ago, real people, our first founding couple, 
not from out of Africa. And then they had sons and daughters, and they had to intermarry. Yes, they did marry their sisters and brothers, but that's how God had mandated it until Moses. And then the flood comes, everyone in the world dies apart from Noah, his wife, uh, the three sons and their wives. So we all have that common link back to Noah and his family. And then, of course, they came out, they multiplied, they got to the, the uh, Tower of Babel, decided they'd build, build this huge tower to try to be like God. You know, we want, like, um, you know, we want to be in charge of this. And God said, I told you to spread out around the world and uh, multiply and to, bl to bless the, the world, but no, you've just decided to make yourself gods. So he cursed, the, he cursed their languages, and sorry, uh, separated them out by uh, diversifying their languages. So people started to move away, not being able to understand each other, carrying the genes within their family groups. And there's a table of the nations in Genesis chapter 10 talking about the sons of Noah and which of the nations they founded. And of course, over time, natural selection, yes, it's a real scientific fact, has emphasized certain traits for hot or cold climates or whatever, and we end up with the skin colors and characteristics we have today. So even within a few thousand years, it's easy to get the diversity we have within our skin colors, our, our eye shapes, and so on. So we're all one human family. So this is our true history going right through. But it's amazing, just recently there's been some uh, really neat things on TV. One of them um, is Scotty Morrison. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But this whole thing about ancestry, history, heritage is so important, isn't it? But I just want to go back briefly to my own history here. Back in the 1700s, it was a turbulent time in Europe. And, of course, many of you have seen Les Miserables, you know, the uh, amazing uh, movie and opera, uh, sorry, a musical and so on. That was around the French Revolution, which was a, a bloody time, you know, a horrible time, guillotining, all sorts of things going on in France. France had this whole class structure thing, the battle between what the king was doing and the nobles were doing. It was just a real mess. And the French Revolution came out of this atheistic thinking, Voltaire, the, the Enlightenment, and it went down for 10 years of bloodshed, you know, all sorts of people um, guillotined and so on through it. At the same time in England, again, where I come from, including my ancestors, England was also in turmoil, much poverty, there was class struggles, there was peasants who were being abused and so on. And England was on the tipping point. It could have easily gone into the same idea of revolution that France did. But amazing, God raised up some amazing preachers like the Wesley, you know, J Charles and John Wesley, Charles Spurgeon, um, you know, Whitfield and all these sort of people, Charles Whitfield, uh, they actually were preaching the gospel and they reckon over 10 million people heard the gospel preached by the Wesley brothers. Here they are. So at the same time, France was in turmoil going down the atheistic track. England was being revived. Not perfectly, but through that time, the Methodist church was born and many, many people came to a, a saving faith in, in Jesus. And what came out of that in the 1800s, the huge uh, movement of missionaries around the world the London Missionary Society and so on went out sending missionaries to Africa, to the Pacific, to Asia, you know, with a heart for the people out there. Now, they didn't do it perfectly. They made mistakes. They did carry some cultural baggage with them, but they had a heart to, to love and to care for and to share the gospel with all people. And so it was very, very different outcomes, wasn't it? Now, sadly, England's gone back to being very sort of um, secular and even pagan in some ways. And we've lost a lot of the ground we had over the years because people have turned away from God's word. You know, worship, they worship Darwin now in England. It's you know, amazing. He's almost like a, a saint. But so, yes, we see this time, it was transformative, where God really used what happened in the British Isles and into the US and so on through these amazing men of God who preached the gospel unashamedly while Europe was falling apart, especially France. And I'm talking generally here. I'm not, there, were, there were details, but that's the key thrust. So we move forward to 2010 now, and Anne's laughing because 
you know, Desma and our daughter Imogen, we went across to Rarotonga. So hopefully when the bubble's open, I really encourage you to go to Rarotonga. It's a beautiful place. And when we were there, at a place called Ararangi, there's one of the um, Cook Island Christian churches, the Ecclesia Ararangi. And we went to a service there. They opened it up to tourists and so on. And for me, it was really, really humbling. This beautiful church, people all dressed up, you know, with their ladies in their beautiful dresses and hats and the men with their suits and ties. And they welcomed everybody in. Now, sadly, many of the tourists turned up in board shorts and jandals, you know, totally disrespectful. And that's really offensive to the, the Pacifica people, isn't it? To be in the house of God in jandals. But anyway, they were loved and we had a beautiful service. Didn't understand the, the sermon in Cook Island Maori. But afterwards, they please come for refreshments afterwards. The refreshments in the Cook Islands. So we went out and there's these tables groaning with food and so on. And you know, everyone was invited in. And the pastor just said, Thank you for all for coming, everyone. We've really been blessed to have you here today. We hope you enjoyed the service. Just want to say a couple of words. And he said, Before the London Missionary Society came to our, our nation, our islands back in 1823, he said, We were at war, we were in fear of the spirits, we were cannibals, we were in a really, really dark place. It wasn't that beautiful idea of you know, palm, palm trees and happiness. We were a very, very troubled people. And the gospel of Jesus Christ transformed our people and set us free from that, that uh, stuff. And he said, I just want to honour him. And he just gave a simple grace honouring Jesus. And all the tourists were, you know, it was that whole thing. He was busting that myth that, you know, people were in that happy place. They weren't. The gospel transformed them. And uh, I guess Anne's can share about that too. Your own whakapapa is that you know, passing down of what the London Missionary Society did in your nation, didn't it? Yeah, same with Potter and so on. So for me, that was a, another eye-opening thing. Wow. It was such a blessing to hear him just simply share the gospel about how his people group had been transformed as mine had been in the, uh, way back in the day. So in closing, I really encourage you, how many have seen this origin series that was on TVNZ? Yeah. It's three, only three parts, and uh, Scotty Morrison, he's a great speaker, a yeah, great presenter. Um, it's on TVNZ on demand, all free of charge. And he starts off, looks at the whole thing, it's obviously from a Maori point of view, but goes right back to looking for Hawaiiki and goes back to uh, Easter Island, Rapa Nui, goes back to uh, Rarotonga, other nations, goes back to through Papua New Guinea and back to uh, Asia, through Taiwan. But eventually the last one, he goes back to Ethiopia, you know, out of Africa, evolutionary stuff. But he actually looks uncomfortable and he doesn't really seem convinced about this whole evolutionary thing. But as a whole, really be encouraged in our nation, have a look at the series, just see that beautiful thread going right through you know, the people, the Pacifica people tracing their ancestry back to Babel. And finally, this is an amazing uh, couple, Graham and Tui Crookshank. They live in Whangarei. They're pastors there. And Tui, uh, she's of Ngāpui and other ancestry. And they wrote this amazing book, which I've got here, where they've looked at the whole idea of Eeyore, you know, within the Māori culture, going right back, biblically looking at the whole thing, back to Noah's family and the Tower of Babel. Their whole oral tradition that's been passed down. So I really encourage you to look at that. There's the link on the, on the um, PowerPoint slide about the whole thing of all people groups have a knowledge of the one true God somewhere in their uh, ancestry. So I just want to finish off again. When we go to be with the Lord and we stand before the throne and the new heavens and the new earth, we see this beautiful picture, don't we? After these things I looked... And behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. You know, just you think of the diversity of people around the world. Representatives of every one of those people groups will be there. So we'll be alongside, you know, Tarori, we've hear, heard about her in the past. A little Maori Mata, you know, a Roman centurion. 
you know, a, a middle-aged uh, a middle-ages peasant from England. You know, all these sort of people will be standing before the throne of God, worshiping Him and saying, "Salvation belongs to the God, to our God." So the gospel is not a European thing. The gospel is for all people across all time. The Bible speaks into every person, every culture. It's just such a beautiful thing. So that's my eyes been opened from my very narrow English colonial sort of you know crusty background to being I'm not there yet but I truly can look at anyone in the eye from any nation and say you know you're my brother you're my sister you know and you need Jesus as well so so here we wanted to share as we do if you don't know Jesus we'd love you to come into a relationship with him we can talk to you we can pray with you afterwards we've also got a bible haven't we Ants, for the um, relationship so Think about where you're at personally with Jesus because people groups get transformed by individuals having their hearts changed. And we'd love to give this word of God to you to get you started on your journey. But just think about your own culture, your own background, how you see other people and have a look at the truth of God's word and also realise the lies that the world is pushing down our throats in some ways. And be encouraged in your walk and pray for our nation and do your part, I'll do my part to help to bring us into a better place.